Do you work too many hours? Do you feel like there's never enough time? Do you ever miss your family or friends? Today, my guest Danny Bauer and myself will explore some keys to a mind shift that will help you rethink how you approach your work and, more importantly, how you approach your own health. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Today, I'm joined by Danny Bauer, the chief storyteller, chief ruckus maker, and host of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast a podcast ranked in the top 0.5% of 3 million global podcasts. And he's also the author of Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader, which was co-published by Corwin and the National School Superintendents Association. Danny's here with us today to help challenge some of the assumptions that you may have made about school leadership. Hey, welcome, Danny. Hey, Frederick. Thanks so much uh, for having me on the show. This is an honor. Appreciate yeah, it. we're really excited. So before we kick off, can you tell us briefly how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so back in high school, I was always late, late to class. It wasn't my fault, Frederick. It was like, have you ever done something that's like, you know, part of kind of naughty, I guess, and it's it's just not your fault. Well, my best friend, Lindsay, who I grew up with, we're still friends to this day. She's terrible at time, really bad. I mean, probably the worst on the planet. I don't know about the universe and galaxy, but she's really bad. And so she would drive me to high school late every single day, right? So I'm I'm getting in trouble with my first period sophomore chemistry teacher, who, by the way, is his name is Mr. Rogers, which is totally <laughs> true and awesome. And he was a great teacher in uh, taught, uh, I said chemistry, but it was actually geology. Uh, and I loved his class. So anyways, yeah, I get detentions from him and this kind of stuff. And I had racked up a bunch uh, and probably on my way to like my first suspension or something. And here I am tardy again to geology class. Uh, so I tell Mr. Rogers, like this time, Mr. Rogers, it's different. I promise you, it's really, of all the times, this time was not my fault. And so I said, I'm on my way to school. I was walking and uh, I passed, I passed the house. And it was on fire, right? And not only was the house on fire, it was filled with a Girl Scout troop. Like, what would you do if you saw a house on fire filled with Girl Scouts? Surely you would stop and assist, right? And try to help them survive. And uh, he agreed. And so I said, well, that's what I did. And got the fire out, saved all the girls. And they were so thankful, right? Out of gratitude, they gave me a box of dosy dose. And Frederick, I'm not sure if it was the very made-up story of saving the girls or the very real dosey dose that I had brought to class and offered some to him. You know, those are the peanut butter ones and my personal favorite, but I didn't get in trouble that day. And I learned a really important lesson, Frederick, which is 
uh, it really pays to tell stories. And I think since then, I've been telling stories ever since, you know, as a classroom teacher for many decades, as an administrator, you move people through story, through connection, through emotion. The podcast, maybe we'll talk about that's been really successful and has changed my life. But the core, right, connecting the dots, it's storytelling. So uh, that's how I got to where I'm at today. Oh, I love it. Thank you. And <laughs> I think that's a great thing that leaders or listeners can focus on too, right? It's sometimes, sure. sometimes we get in such a hurry and we're so focused on the thing that we forget that there is a story behind whatever that thing is. And when we can share and tell that story, we are making that human connection. So Absolutely what are you celebrating true. today? We always begin with celebrations. Mm, I think I'd celebrate that uh, I woke up at a good hour and, you know, I have a, I like to be consistent. I'm not perfect. So sometimes I've missed, but recently I've had a great string of days and I start off the day with, you know, 30 minutes of meditation and that's, that's cool. But part of the joy of it is my dog will follow me in often and, you know, paw open the door and, uh, you know, I'll put a blanket over my lap and she lays and curls up, you know, on it. And it's just, it's a really peaceful and happy time for me. So I would say that that's something that was joyful for sure. Mm, thank you. Pleasure. So back in November, you shared a list of 10 things no one told you about school leadership. And there are lots of lists out there. Everybody's publishing lists of 10 things about school leadership, but there were a couple of things that set yours apart and made it special for me. The first is, uh, you could say, I guess, a contrarian framing. It wasn't just the standard stuff. There were some things in there that that made me step back and and question. And then it was really in alignment with the four principles of strategic leadership that I'm preaching on this podcast, which is people yeah. over tasks, purpose over urgency, mm. problems instead of symptoms, and then progress, not just action. The other thing I love about the list is that together, the 10 things create a shift in perspective. And yeah. if school leaders want to escape the black hole of urgency, there is really that perspective and thought that needs to happen. So I think your list is really great and we're not going to cover all the 10 things here because I'm going to really urge people to go find you in LinkedIn and connect and pull that article there. We'll also, of course, have a direct link in the show notes. So you and I talked and we each said we would choose our two favorites. So let's unpack each idea. And honestly, I can't remember which of us chose which one, but I love all four. Yeah. So do you want to start? Can I? <laughs> uh, sure, but will you prompt me and give me one of the four that we chose? Because there's those 10 and I probably love them all equally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's begin with this one. Learning doesn't make you better. Yeah, that is a contrarian idea, right? Now, another, another way I, I like to talk about it um, I actually had this illustrated. I, I wish I had them hung up behind me, but I, I work with a company called Gaping Void and uh, they help people create what they call culture walls. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about um, this idea, often I say too, ideas are great. They're just not the greatest. 
And this was this was to shock people, right? To get them to stop out of their day and say, what the heck is this guy saying? Learning doesn't make you a leader. And I quoted uh, Thomas Jefferson, who said, action will delineate and define you. And again, I say ideas are great, just not the greatest. And that's because it's all about action. And, and you talked about progress, right? So to me, listen, like sometimes a leader can actually, what I would say, hide by getting more degrees or reading more or signing up for more courses. And what are they not doing? They're not doing anything. They're just learning, right? So at some point, you have to say, I've learned some great stuff. And am I implementing those things? You know, this summer I'm doing a, a live event in Denver. And uh, in February, there'll be a bunch of emails inviting people to this experience. And, you know, I, I, and this is a leadership tip for your listener, right? Define your edges and pick some sides, right? And draw lines in the sand so people know what you stand for, stand against. So I'm not saying necessarily one way is right, another way is wrong. But what I am saying in, in these, uh, you know, emails that'll come out for the live event, you know, a lot of conferences are shallow right? A lot of sessions. And maybe the session is just an hour and, and you get good information, but you just don't go that deep, right? Well, do you want to be a mile wide and an inch deep or an inch wide and a mile deep? There's a choice you have to make. So the conference, shallow versus depth. But the other thing too is, you know, if you go to a national conference and I go to them, right? I want to meet other school leaders and serve them and learn and hear about trends. Uh, but if you go to all, all these sessions, you know, it might be about information and kind of entertainment and what's lacking is what we're talking about here, implementation. And if you don't implement, nothing changes. And at the end of the day, I'm in the business of creating results and creating change, right? Within education, with the leaders that I support. And so that's why I was trying to shock people. Learning doesn't make you a better leader. Taking action on what you learn is what makes you a better leader. I love it. And that also ties into the idea of resources. I think time and attention are the most important resources that any of us have because we can't we can't expand it. We can't make it better. And and so where we focus that time and attention is critical. And yeah, there's a time to learn, but as you said, we're we're really going to make change by taking action and we have to devote time and we have to devote attention to that action. So if we're all we're doing is learning and reading books, then we're not out executing and we're not applying that time and action, time and attention to a place that's going to make a difference. Yeah. And to be clear, right? I'm not saying don't learn because I love learning, right? And if, if, if you look at my strengths finder survey, one of my top five strengths is to learn. And one of my personal core values, I call myself the sponge that scales. And the idea there is, you know, I take in a lot of ideas, but the scaling part means my value that I can create for leaders I support or the value uh, that I could command, let's say, in uh, running a PD or something. And the value in my life expands, right? The more I learn. I just know I can't stop at learning and then put the book away, I have to implement the things that I learned. Right. So let's move to the second one. And that is you'll okay. get more done if you don't work so hard. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that seems counterintuitive as well. 
but you know, I, I surround myself with a lot of high performers. Um, and one thing that is connected in my current business coach, right? Uh, and this is something I now teach the school leaders I support. Uh, we talked about we talk about what I call now the ruckus maker mindset tool. Um, but it's the fundamentals, right? Eating, sleeping, moving, meditating, and unplugging. So eating, sleeping, like, you know, uh, getting good quality food, making sure you have enough rest. Uh, we talked about meditation at the start of the podcast and how that brings me joy. Um, but it's like an unplugging from our devices. You can't be connected 24-7 to work. There's real research, too, about the negative health outcomes that you will experience, Right whether that's weight gain or high blood pressure, depression. I mean, there's too many. We could do like a 12-hour seminar on all the bad stuff that will happen to you if you're constantly engaged to work. And so the counterintuitive truth is, you know, taking rest. There's a guy, Dr. Michael Gervais, and uh, he works with like Olympian athletes and top performers. He, he's been a performance coach with the Seattle um, Seahawks for many years. And he says something that the gist of the quote is, at the world stage, nobody talks about uh, how hard they work, right? And listen, principals, school leaders, they love to talk about, man, I put in this many hours or something that just really drives me nuts. I'm so busy, Frederick, I can't even eat a lunch. Or they mm -hmm. snap a picture of some stupid Cheetos and like an energy drink or something that's just bad for you, right? That's not anything to be proud of. You know, you should actually, that should wake you up because you are on, you know, a, a, a bad path for your health. And so what Gervais says, they don't talk about working hard. What do these top performers talk about? How are they recovering and recuperating? Mm. Because that's what allows them to perform at the high level, right? So uh, the other thing I heard this story on a podcast, Tim Ferriss, I don't know if you ever listened to that podcast, but Hugh Jackman, right, who played... Uh, Wolverine and that kind of thing. And he's just a fantastic uh, actor. What was, what was the other movie? The Greatest Showman, right? He's really talented. And uh, anyways, he told a story of the Olympian Carl Lewis, who won nine Olympic gold medals. So really successful. Uh, I don't remember this because I was young, but I guess Carl Lewis notoriously started his races off really slow. Problem is, right, Frederick, he was a sprinter. He didn't have very long to finish the race and win. And if he's starting off slow, it's like, what's what's the dude's problem? What's going on? How's he going to win? And what he knew, his coach told him, Carl, give 85% during your races. And what did this allow Carl to do? It allowed him to relax, right? And to be in his body. And as the other sprinters lost gas, so to speak, and slowed down near the end, Carl actually got faster, right? So... You know, how might you apply that to your life, right? Slowing things down so you could actually uh, get more done. Yeah. It, well, it's interesting. I love hearing you talk about that. I actually took a little bit different approach to to that statement. And yeah, it made cool. me think of the idea of Wu Wei, which comes out of mm. the Tao Te Ching. Wu Wei is the idea of awesome. doing without doing. And, yeah. and, and for me, our leadership really is about supporting and growing others. And mm -hmm. when we're, when we're not running around crazy, when we're not trapped in the urgent zone, we are able to give that time and attention to others. And it, and it doesn't have to be the high level of activity and telling people what to do, just that presence and that focus and creating that space 
for people to grow and enter in that with, with us. And we're not working as hard, but we're making a much bigger impact because we're building the capacity of others. And it, it kind of goes back to what you just said about being that sponge, right? You take stuff in, but then when you're yeah, able to yeah. put it out, you're getting way more value out of, out of it. And it's the same thing here when we invest and put time and effort into other people, then they go out and they spread that. And so our work and our value really is multiplied. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm thinking about uh, capacity building and delegation and empowering people to do stuff. So I think that's a little bit of what you're touching on as well. Yeah. And and the other part of it is, this is a, a kind of overused example, but the idea of being in the airplane and if there's a problem, the oxygen mask um, comes down, you're supposed to yeah. put it on yourself first before the kid, right? And I think as educators, we're especially school leaders are really bad about putting their own growth and their own health first. They want to go serve everybody. And that's the badge of honor at the cost of themselves, which eventually means yep. they can't serve anybody. Yeah. And my take on that, you know, uh, I wish I had the picture to show you too, because this one was also illustrated by Gaping Void, but it's when you get better, Frederick, everybody else wins. So that's why it's so important to do things for yourself. It's not, you don't have to monopolize all the PD money, right? The teachers can still be fed and you can send them to great stuff and again, empower them. But you should be getting better too, right? When you get better, everybody wins. That's true. JFK said, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. It's the same idea. So I don't know why leaders struggle with that. School leaders specifically. Yeah. Well, and this next one, I think will dovetail nicely with that is uh you have more than enough time hmm. so i know every school leader out there listening is going Danny, what are you talking about <laughs> i can't even take lunch yeah. i can't even go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah so yeah. And how I, do they have more I, more I than enough say, time well they do we <laughs> there's folks out there that have the same amount of time as you and they get more done, they're happier, right? Uh, maybe their health's better, they're connected to their family, they're not missing, you know, their their kids' performances and this kind of stuff. So what's, what's going on there? And I think part of it, I mean, this is a little tough. This is tough love here. It's a, it's a idea of like, what are your priorities? You know, I think I know that leaders need to learn how to say no more right? And have very strong boundaries. Um, you were talking about the urgency trap and this kind of thing. And if you're running around feeling like you have to do everything, yeah, that, that, seems, that sounds like a pretty hectic and stressful life. So what will it take for you to say, oh, maybe I don't have to do everything. And I could, you know, hand some things off to my team. Or I don't know if you're familiar with Rory Vaden's work. He wrote a book, ages ago called procrastinate on purpose like what a clever title what's going on there and he, you know the book in one image he has this thing called the focus funnel i don't remember the exact order but when something comes across a principal's desk they should think to themselves like do i even need to do this can i eliminate it right off the bat boom done like that's pretty easy uh, if i can't eliminate you know can i maybe automate this solution right you're having an app transcribe our podcast like you're not 
re-listening and typing all the words, that'd be a lot of time. So can we automate some stuff? And there's many ways school leaders can automate. They can create systems and processes, right? And there are apps that you can use too. If you can't automate, can you delegate it, right? And so, and that's about building the team. Um, Outside of that, then Rory talks about, all right, now can you procrastinate? Does it have to be done right now? If not, it goes back to the funnel, to the top. What you find when you put things back to the top, you work the steps again. I bet you here's what happens. It goes through all the steps again. You procrastinate again. And eventually, because you didn't have the courage the first time, but the fifth time you're like, oh, I've never done this. Then you just eliminate it because you're like, I'm, let's be real. I'm never going to do this thing. And so and if you can't procrastinate, the punchline is then you have to you have to do it, right? You have to concentrate. So that that's one idea. But we could get like really kind of like woo-woo and crazy about stuff too. But uh, maybe I shouldn't say crazy. That's not very nice. But um, basically, uh, you know, what if you believed you were the author of time, right? And all I want to say in relation to that is would you consider committing to not complaining about time for a week, right? And if you stopped complaining about time, I wonder what interesting things might happen in your life and leadership, okay? And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave that there as a nudge, you know, and as a challenge to the listener. But some some really fun stuff will happen if you commit to, I'm just not gonna complain about time anymore. So I'll probably put that as the challenge uh, when we wrap this up to our listeners, cool. Because yeah, one thing I think I've, I've started doing in the podcast, which I'm really excited about, is ending each episode with a suggestion of how you can apply it. Because it goes back to where we were 15 minutes ago. You can learn all you want, sure. but if you don't take action, what's what's the value? And we, yeah, we want a podcast that's entertaining, but we also want a podcast that's going to transform your leadership. So say yeah. it again. If you weren't if you're not the author of time or you are the author of time, can you walk? You are the again? author. Yeah. And I didn't want to, yeah, basically like t- there's check out a book. It's called the big leap by Gay Hendricks. I don't know if you've ever heard this book before, um, but he talks about this idea of Einstein time and it, you know, I'm not, I'm probably not smart enough to describe it. Right. Okay. But he contrasts what Einstein, how he viewed time and how New- Newton, you know, uh, viewed time as well. Um, and long story short, right? Something really magical happens when you just make a commitment to stop complaining about time. Cause then it forces you, if I can't complain about time and make time the enemy anymore, right? Now I have to prioritize it and have a more generous view of the 24 hours, you know, I have during the day and you start thinking, okay, if I have this amount of time during the day and I can only make, you know, X withdrawals from that time, I probably be, you know, I need to be pretty wise about what I say yes to, what I say no to. I have a ruckus maker rule in my life. It comes from uh, Derek Sivers, but he basically says, you know, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Mm. And another way to say that is if I'm not really excited about an opportunity to talk to Frederick on the podcast, I wouldn't be here, right? That's just how I have to roll, right? But then I have time for things that I'm excited about. And now imagine, because I'm not complaining about time and I'm only saying things, yes, to things that I'm excited about. Imagine how fun life is for me. And it could be that for you. It's a mindset. Like 
And that was an article too. I recently got an email from uh, Lizzie, who was a former principal in Nepal. She's American. She's in North Carolina. And uh, anyways, she'll be heading out towards um, Malaysia for her next uh, next position. But she wrote to me the other day and she's like, all this information was super cool on the training you did recently. But what people don't realize, it's the mindset shifts, right? Like stop complaining about time or only saying yes to things that energize you. And school leaders are, some school leaders are listening right now. Oh, I can't say no. Yes, you can. I'm here to tell you that you're powerful. You have power. You have choice, agency, autonomy. And we forget that. We give it away. You know, and then you limit the impact you can have. No, let's not play that game. Let's play a much more expansive, right? And bigger game. So that's just kind of, yeah, that's how I think. Danny, a couple of years ago, I was uh, had a conversation with an elementary school principal and I used to supervise interns at Clemson University. So I was in all kinds okay. of schools, having lots of yeah, conversations yeah. with administrators. And I always asked them about the time and their days, how much time they were putting in. And I was with an elementary school principal. She had no assistant principal. They were right at the, I don't know, 400, 350 student bubble where they didn't yeah. quite qualify for yeah. an assistant. So she was on her own. And and I asked her, what are your days like? What time are you getting home? And, and she said, I shut down at four and I leave. And I, I said, wow, because that's not the usual story, right? I said, no, wow, it's not. How, how do you, how do you? get everything done. And she looked at me and she smiled and she said, I don't get everything done, but what doesn't get done will be there waiting for me tomorrow. And it just blew my mind. And I, I went back and I just kept thinking about that. And I had a couple other experiences closely related to that. And, and eventually I just had, I call it the three epiphanies for me, which is mm. the first epiphany is there's never enough time. The second epiphany is if there's not enough time, then I actually choose what to do, what gets done and doesn't get done. And I think that's one of the things that you were just hitting on because it's my choice, yeah. which is scary. And then the scariest epiphany of them all is my choices reflect my values. So mm -hmm. if I choose to spend 10 hours on the PowerPoint, I'm going to present to the board the value is I want to make sure I look good and competent to the board versus spending two hours on it and then investing those eight hours with my three early career teachers, you know, and giving them the boost. So I, I think that's part of what you're saying too, because in the end, it isn't about time management. It's about priority management. And, and I've caught myself saying, oh, I didn't have enough time to do that. That's not true. I had enough time. I just made other things the priority. So, yeah. You got to catch yourself. And, you know, part of it too is uh, looking at yourself as an experiment and observing, right? That's something you learn with meditation, just observing experience. And so I will do time audits for two weeks and literally track everything I do throughout a day. Everything. I mean, everything. And how much time am I spending on those things? And one, uh, one epiphany I had recently, so this is just in the context of me running a you know, a business that serves school leaders, but we do trainings regularly. And in 2023, my words alignment, I want everything to align to the programs, how we support leaders, right? So I, I was thinking the other day, man, 
for these trainings, I'm putting the 10 hours into designing these slides. And don't get me wrong, slides look cool. And like, you know, they're really well done and probably visually appealing. People enjoy them and that kind of thing. But in all our programs, like the mastermind or the principal success path, there's not a slide to be seen. We're just there. We're present, right? We do trainings, right? But we're there. We're responsive and relevant and results oriented in the moment. And so why am I showing up differently for these training, you know? And not only that, I'm spending an abundance of time on the slides. So with that one decision and that idea, I'm just to have everything aligned, you know, to how we do things. Uh, I bought back so much time too, right? So I wouldn't have known that if I didn't observe my experience and how I was making decisions. So, but that, you know, that changed everything uh, this year for me, for sure. Yeah. What a great example. Hmm. So that brings us to our last one, which I think is okay. actually the most powerful, which is your family misses you. Oh yeah. So, you know, I think uh, definitely emotion moves people to to action and that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget, there was a leader I was supporting in our community called the Mastermind and uh, principal up in Toronto. She said, Danny, I'm a better mom to my students than to my own children. Oof. You know, that was weighing heavy on her heart. And I bet that a lot of people can relate, you know, to that. And basically, if that's not what you want, for your family, right? Your own children, then you got, we've been talking about all this stuff, right? And especially with time and priorities and how they re uh, reflect our values. So do you have the courage like the uh, elementary principal near Clemson to say, no, I leave at four o'clock every day, right? Yeah. And that's a choice that you can make and that you could communicate. And can you imagine as the leader too, Frederick, right? When you make a choice like that as a principal, what does that communicate to your teachers? Like that's the thing. And I've had the privilege of living all over the world. So I've, I've lived in many different states in the United States, and I've lived in Belgium, and I've lived in Netherlands, and I've lived in Scotland. And uh, we're really addicted to work in America. You know, that's very true. And you go overseas and people are like hanging out. They have leisure activities. They seem to have an abundance of time for family. And uh, they just... They value it and they don't, they don't violate it, you know? So what will it take for you to wake up and put your family first? You can do it, you know, some systems that will make them upset and they might try to move you out or actually move you out. But guess what? There's other systems that are okay with it. You got to find those places. Right. And I think we get scared like, oh, we need to, you know, work in this place or whatever. No, there's, there, you got a lot of options. And so you got to, you know, I want to encourage you to explore those too. So I, I love that. And, and I appreciate it. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a little bit older than you. So I, I turned 60 in a few months. So I've got over 35 years in this business. And I was one of those people that prided myself for decades on outworking everybody. I am putting yeah. in the time and I will say I miss time with my kids. And yeah. when I look back on 35 years in this business, I, I love the things I achieved. I love the people I impacted. That's meaningful to me. But 
there, I cannot look back at any, any single point in time and say, oh, I wish I'd worked harder. I wish I'd have put in more right. hours, but I can look back and say, I wish I had taken that half day off to go be with my kid when this was happening. I wish, I wish I had not worked on weekends so we could have gone out camping as a family. So I think that would be from where I sit, maybe one of the things that I would like to encourage listeners, you are not 30 years into your career. You are probably not ever going to say, oh, I wish I worked harder, but you may yeah. say, I wish I had made those experiences and those memories with my kids or my spouse or my partner or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So again, you have the power to do it, right? You have yeah. the power to do it. Well, and as you were talking about other cultures and I've lived overseas as well, it, cool. the Where thought you is, lived? uh, I was did three years in Istanbul, Turkey at the oh, beginning wow. of my career, which was just an incredible experience. Yeah, I bet. But what you were saying just made me think, you know, in a way, because we have this focus on work and because we push out and we have more hours, it it almost is an enabler of our unhealthy relationship with trying to do everything and trying to do all the urgent tasks, right? If, if culturally we knew we had a much smaller sliver of time, I think we would all automatically be much more selective about the kinds of things that we engaged in work-wise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, you know, I meditate like, um, uh, how things are constantly changing, you know, especially as you age and this kind of stuff. And you, you're going to have a finite time, right. On this planet and not to be morbid about it, but it's like, you know, grasp it, <laughs> use it, uh, and work hard too, right. Find value in your work and all this kind of stuff. But like you said, you can't, you can't buy back that time with family. And, uh, we're really, we're really hard in the moment predicting like the future self you know although we know what's right uh and i think that you know if we if we connect it to a big idea that's why it's so important to find some kind of network of leaders to support you through it right to have the conversation because uh, the job's really hard it's hard to do in isolation and it's it's really really hard to make these kind of priorities and choices too if you're not in a space talking about it and say, okay, well, what works for you, Frederick? How do you leave that for or whatever? And, uh, yeah, learn from others and that kind of thing. So, yeah, find some kind of network, you know, definitely to plug into. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So as we wrap up, I have three questions for you. And the first one is, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? These days, as Better Leaders, Better Schools has grown, you know, I used to wear all the hats. Um and as we as we've grown, I've I've been developing the team. So trying to get better at that and celebrating what they're doing well. And uh, you know, I know that I'm the greatest opportunity and the the chief bottleneck within the organization too. So finding really great people to surround myself with and uh, empowering them, resourcing them, removing challenges for them, and uh, letting them run and sprint. So. That's that's some way I'm trying to grow, building the team. Oh, thanks for sharing. Pleasure. 
If listeners could take just one thing away from today's podcast, what would it be? Just realize that you're worth it, right? So I think some of these uh, some of these challenges that we have are because we're prioritizing the work and the students, which really matter, and our staff and our community, and they really matter too, but at what cost, right? And if it's at the cost of your, you know, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health, you, you got to wrestle, wrestle with that, figure it out. And so you're worth it. You know, you can, you can do it. Wise words, Danny. Thanks, Frederick. So last question then, where can listeners connect with you and learn more about the work you're doing? And I'll, I'll say you're doing great stuff and you have a lot of content and a lot of support for people. So I really encourage people to jump in and we'll include links in the show notes and everything, but where should they connect with you? Yeah, thanks. So yeah, I have a podcast. If you like listening to podcasts and if you don't subscribe yet, you know, go check out Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. It actually ranks like I say this now because I'm quite proud of it. I can't believe it. I found it out in the last 12 months, but you know, that show ranks in the top 0.5% of all podcasts, any niche, any industry and worldwide. So not just in education, it's changed my life, right? And opened many doors. So check that out. And I'm assuming you like podcasts because you listen to me and Frederick right now. Uh, other than that, you could go to the website, which is also betterleadersbetterschools.com. I want to encourage you to check out my latest best-selling book called Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader. That was published by uh, Corwin and the National Superintendents Association. And it just talks about a model that's changing uh, professional development for school leaders. Then finally, feel free to call or text me if you want some support. And just to have a chat, I give out my number. It's 312-788-7595. I hate email, so I'm not going to give you my email. I won't read it. My <laughs> assistant reads my emails, and I don't want to get more email. Call and text me if you... If you have something we could jam on and I could offer support. So yeah, those are the ways. <laughs> Excellent. And again, we'll include links to all of that in the show notes. Danny, this has been a pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you for coming on. Sweet. It's my honor. Thanks, Frederick, for having me. All right. Take care. Cheers. Well, colleagues, this brings us to the point in the episode where it's your turn to participate by making an intentional choice. If you do nothing with what you've just heard, then you will have spent the last 30 minutes or so being entertained. But if you do choose to do something, then you will have made an investment in your own leadership. Danny shared a challenge for you that I'm encouraging you to embrace. Consider that you are the author of time. For one week, don't say, I don't have enough time. And then monitor how you decide what to do and what not to do. As always, I would ask you to consider forwarding the show link to a colleague and saying, hey, this is great. You need to listen to it or identifying one of the big takeaways or questions from the episode and sharing it with me via email at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. Remember that you can walk more with me by subscribing to my daily leadership email and Quadrant 2, my monthly micro journal. And if that isn't enough, we can walk further together in Apex, my virtual paid community for assistant principals. 
Apex helps you network with other APs and participate in group coaching with me. You can learn more about Apex and my other offerings at my website, frederickbuskey.com. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Cheers.